Good afternoon and happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to episode 73 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe, and thank you for listening. Coming up in this episode, the NBA Finals start tonight. I'll give you my preview, my takes, analysis, and predictions on who I believe will be crowned the 2020-2021 NBA champions. And the Atlanta Hawks were eliminated by the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday. I'll give you my takes on what I believe they need to do moving forward to be a better team in 2021 and 2022. And I will address the Rachel Nichols versus Maria Taylor ESPN controversy that came out this past weekend coming up on the other side. All right, now without further ado, let's get right into it. Before I start talking about the NBA Finals, I want to start my opening take with the controversy coming out of ESPN that was leaked this past weekend by the New York Times involving two of its anchors, Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor. This all started with a phone call that Rachel Nichols had on July 13, 2020 with Adam Mendensall, the longtime advisor of LeBron James and LeBron James agent Rich Paul. Now originally this phone call was supposed to be Rachel Nichols requesting an interview with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But during that conversation she also sought advice from Mendenhall because she was upset that she did not get the hosting duties of ESPN's pre-game and post-game shows during the playoffs and the finals last year. The ESPN executives told her that Maria Taylor was going to be hosting the coverage during the NBA Finals. Obviously, that didn't sit well with Rachel Nichols. So, here's what she said on tape. And again, fair use. Listen here. So they said to me, ESPN is trying to do damage control now that this has come out. Now, of course, the next day, Rachel Nichols decided to do an apology on her show, The Jump. Now, here's what she said. Now, of course, Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson, of course, commented as well. But I'm only going to play just her apology. Again, fair use. Listen here. 
teach you in journalism school is don't be the story. And I don't plan to break that rule today or distract from a fantastic finals. But I also don't want to let this moment pass without saying how much I respect, how much I value our colleagues here at ESPN, how deeply, deeply sorry I am for disappointing those I heard, particularly Maria Taylor, and how grateful I am to be part of this outstanding team. Now, here are my thoughts. Now, I'm, the first thing I want to say is, and I guess I'm just saying this to be funny, but I'm actually kind of surprised that the New York Times actually got a hold of this. This seemed like the kind of um, story that TMZ Sports would have um, scooped up. Because we all know when it comes to catching athletes messing up, TMZ is the one um, news organization you do not want to get caught. So, I'm just going to throw it out there. I know I'm just being funny there. Secondly, you got to think about the timing of this coming out. I mean, Maria Taylor's contract with ESPN ends in three weeks. And, of course, it's been reported, even though Maria Taylor has not confirmed this, that Maria Taylor is asking for Stephen A. Smith-type money. And third, I'm just going to say, I think this apology was weak on his face. The simple fact is, I don't believe that Rachel Nichols was sorry for what she said about Maria Taylor. I think she's sorry she got caught. But actually, it was her own fault. Because she obviously failed to turn off the recorder. And she should know that working for ESPN, that these things are going to be on the, on the ESPN servers, these recordings. So... She has nothing to blame but herself. And what she did was basically said, to Mar- said that Maria Taylor was nothing more than an affirmative action hire. Now, I don't want to get too involved in the um, racial aspect of this. But I think I, obviously she either A, doesn't understand what black women go through or black people in general. I mean, she basically insulted Maria Taylor by call, by basically calling her, without calling her that, an affirmative action hire. Now, anybody who's watched Maria Taylor over the years know that she's worked her way up and deserves everything she gets. I mean, I remember when I first saw Maria Taylor on ESPN, she was basically a sideline reporter on some of the game on some of the college football games that not many people outside of those cities watched. And then sooner or later, she started getting I mean, being more recognized because she's now she was being a sideline reporter for most for games that most of the um, country was watching. Then of course she continued to work her way up. And now she's on college game day, you know, she replaced Samantha Ponder and of course she does the sideline reporting on Saturday on Saturday night football along with now hosting the NBA finals pre and post game shows I mean 
No, it, unlike um, Rachel Nichols, who has a relative, Diane Sawyer, who helped her along the way, Maria Taylor did it all through hard work. So, all I have to say for Maria Taylor is, if I was her, and of course, I don't know who's whoever listened to this podcast knew Maria Taylor, but just my opinion and my opinion only, if I was Maria Taylor, I would walk. I guarantee you, there'll be hundreds of networks out there that would love to have Maria Taylor. I mean, Fox Sports 1 would probably be the one place. I mean, she can do the Aaron Andrews route. Because when Aaron Andrews went there, she hosted the college football pregame show and then moved on to become a sideline reporter for the NFL. Now, I don't know if that's Maria's goal or intention, but I'd be something to recommend. Or, you know, CBS, you know, they do a lot of college football games. You know, so she, she might can get she might can get on with them. But either way, she's got a lot of options. So if I'm ESPN and Disney, if you want to keep Maria Taylor, you better do one thing and one thing only. And I say this a lot for um, athletes. So I'm going to say this for Maria Taylor. Pay the lady. Pay the lady. Now I'm going to move on to the Atlanta Hawks. Now the Atlanta Hawks was eliminated on Saturday by the Milwaukee Bucks in six games. Trey Young gave, gave it a shot. But you can tell he was struggling. He was 4 of 17 from the field. 0 of 6 from three-point land. So now that the Hawks season is over, I'm going to give you my takes on what I think they can do to be a better team in 2021-2022. Well, they've already started off on the right foot. They took that interim tag off of Nate McMillan. And now he got a four-year deal as coach of the Atlanta Hawks. And this is a good thing for many reasons. But let me tell you the, the main reason why I believe this is a great move. I mean, Nick McMillan came in in the middle of the season when the Hawks were off, was off to a 14-20 and 20 start. They fired the head coach, Lloyd Pierce, in the middle of the season. He came in and turned things around. At one point, they even won eight straight games. And they won seven of their last eight games to close the season. In the playoffs, they beat the Knicks in five. Stunned the Sixers in seven. Before falling to the Bucks in six. Nate McMillan made those guys believe. And the the neat thing about it is, this is a young team. So, it's good. I think Nate McMillan is going to get the most out of this team. I mean, let's look at it. Trey Young is 22 years old. Kevin Herter is 22. Cam Reddish is 21. John Collins is 
23. And DeAndre Hunter is 23. I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovich is 28. Clint Capella is 27. So this is a young team. So Nate McMillan has some time to mold this team in his own image. But here's what I will say. There's Trey Young and then there's the others. I'm not saying the other guys are not good players. But the rest of the guys I don't see as solid number twos. Something Trey Young needs. Because next year it's, it's going to be tougher. I mean, you're going to have the big three of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. You're still going to have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. And you know some of the other teams are going to get better. I mean, the Knicks, who knows what's going to happen there. I mean, they're going to need a solid number two as well. But the Atlanta Hawks need to get a solid number two for Trey Young. Because the rest of these guys, they're good players, but they're role players. I mean, these are guys that can feed off a Trey Young and whoever that number two that they need to get. So, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Hawks do going forward. Now I'm going to turn my attention to the NBA Finals. The Milwaukee Bucks versus the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns' first final since 1993 when Charles Barkley came to the Suns and lost to the Bulls in six. The Milwaukee Bucks, this is their first finals since 1974 when Lou Alcindor also known today as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, was on that team. And they fell to the Celtics. Of course, Giannis, who hasn't played the last couple of games in the Eastern Conference Finals, is said to be doubtful tonight. Come on, people. Let's keep it a buck. He's not playing tonight. Anytime you you see on an injury report, doubtful, there's a 99 0.95% chance you're playing. So, no, Giannis is not playing tonight. And you know what? I don't expect him to play Thursday either. Now, I could be wrong about that, but I don't expect him to play. Games one and two. They're going to save him for the home stretch. Now, for the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez. They're going to have to have big games from these guys. Now, can they get a split in Phoenix? Sure. I mean, it's possible. I actually believe that that's, that's the best shot they have to win this series. Is to get a split in Phoenix. Whether it's game one or game two. Now, we all know on the other side, we got Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Aiden. I think the biggest key matchup in this um, series is definitely P.J. Tucker 
who gave Kevin Durant all he could versus Devin Booker. Now, this of course will give Devin Booker's chance to shine because hey, you got people you got summon the sports media are calling this guy the next Kobe Bryant. There is no other Kobe Bryant. There's only one. But I'll say this for Devin Booker in my view. If he's going to be the quote unquote next Kobe Bryant he better be able to go off on some of the best defenders. Because like I say you had tough defenders in Kobe's day from Ron Artest to Matt Barnes. And even though they gave Kobe all they can handle Kobe still gave them all he can handle. But I believe the biggest X, there are two big X factors in this series. It's the bench. I truly believe that the Phoenix Suns have a big advantage when it comes to the bench. I mean, they got guards, you know, and forwards. You know, Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne, are the two biggest bench players in this series. Not only that, I believe that the um, Phoenix Suns can throw some bodies at Chris Middleton. Because Chris Middleton's the guy they're going to have to contain. Whether Giannis is on the floor or not. I mean, Booker's 6'5", Crowder's 6'6", Cam Johnson 6'8", Mikel Bridges 6'6". And Chris Middleton, 6'7". So, I think they got a lot of bodies they can throw at him. And I think another X factor in this game is the coaching. I'll take Monty Williams over Mike Bunsenhalser any day. Sorry if I said that wrong. Because Monty Williams knows how to make adjustments, especially after losses. I mean, Benzenholzer, he has been known not to be able to make adjustments. But he has been good at making adjustments as well. So he's basically kind of hot and cold in my view. So with that being said, this is just my prediction. I like the Suns in six. I think the Suns are a better coach team. I believe that Giannis missing two games is going to hurt. I actually believe that whether it's Giannis or Brooke Lopez, I think they're going to get pick and roll to death. I believe PJ Tucker, he's going to give Devin Booker all he can handle, but in the end, Devin Booker is going to come out on top. So I like the Su- I like the Suns in six games. In my MVP, I think it's going to be Chris Paul. I think even though Devin Booker is going to have a good, is going to have a good series, I think Chris Paul is going to have a better series. So. This will be the defining moment 
for Chris Paul. And now, I will conclude episode 73 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your host, Gabe. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. I appreciate it. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow me on Twitter at ggsports13. I'd like to thank you all for listening and downloading. Have a wonderful day, and I will talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.